0: Good evening everybody, we are here on the 19th of September and this is our 33rd Q&A we welcome you all Uh, as we go to these questions we pray all who hear no, we do not claim to have all the answers all the answers are with God some He reveals, some He does not He himself says the secret things belong to God. Sometimes people ask things without realizing it could be one of those secret things which God refuses to reveal at all or reveal before its time. Some of the things has a time frame also. Certain things cannot be revealed before time like God says to Daniel to seal up the books. And then we see the books are open only later. So this evening as we come to the Ministry of God's Word through the Q&A. Let's pray. Father, we just come to you, Lord. We have doubts. Your children have doubts. But we have the answer, Lord. We are not, we are not anxious. Because we already have the answer in us in the person of the Holy Spirit, Christ Jesus Himself in us. And as we progress, as we move along, we will get all the answers of life, what we need to know in this lifetime. So we are not coming to you disturbed. We are coming to you as a child comes to his father. And we ask you. And we pray, Lord, speak to us, speak through us. Speak your peace into every heart that's listening. Let them be at rest. Let them be. At peace with God and with man. And God answer us, Lord. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 <clears throat> Amen. Yes, Pastor Vijay.
1: So, Pastor, we'll start with the uh, first question, which is, What does it mean to resist the Holy Spirit? It's question number eight. What does
0: it mean to resist the Holy Spirit? What does it mean to resist the Holy Spirit? We, I mean, different different uh, mes- messages we have preached, it, different ways we have tackled. But it's a, it's a real question in the hearts of God's children. You see, God has never done or never does anything without His Son and His Spirit. Without His Son and His Spirit. That's how the Trinity works together. The Father is from whom everything originates And it is done through his son who is represented to us as the word and uh, his spirit as the breath. So so that we can understand, okay? We can understand. And even um, those of, like Pastor Vijay is hearing me, he's hearing me, the word I speak, but the word is taken to his ears by the breath. So you have two things. That's why uh, if we speak, if there is somebody in moon, they don't hear it because there is no air to take this sound across. That's our, our way of understanding. Okay, In the spiritual realm, you don't need air to understand. But for us to understand, Jesus is represented as the Word of God and the Holy Spirit is represented as the breath of God, Ruah. So God does nothing outside of His Son and His Spirit. So when believers come, then the word is ministered when you read the word and the Holy Spirit is the one who actually brings conviction. Mm. When Peter preached on the day of Pentecost, you know they were cut to the heart and they cried out, okay? So it does not mean everybody was cut to the heart, okay? So when the Holy Spirit speaks through the word, we can either be cut and receive or we can be cut and and gnash our teeth, gnash our teeth. And that's what happened when Stephen was preaching through the Holy Spirit to the Sanhedrin. They knew their word. And if you look at that portion in Acts chapter 7 and verse 51, especially when he uses that phrase, they get so angry. He says that, You stiff-naked and uncircumcised in heart and ears, Always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did. So do you. Okay, And in verse 52 onwards, you will see that when they heard, which of the prophets did your fathers not pr- persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one, of whom you now have become, betrayers and murderers, who have received the law by the direction of angels, have not kept it. Right, And you will see when they hear it, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. But they... Nash at, at him with their teeth, okay? So you will see, you, your reaction can be one way or other. Either you humble yourself before the word of God, or you stiffen yourself and you are angry at the preacher. One of these, these two things. And that's how you resist the Holy Spirit. How you resist the Holy Spirit, okay? When you hear the word, and the word of God convicts you, either you can be broken before the Spirit of God, what shall we do? And God says, no. that's why if you look at in John chapter 16, Jesus, when he teaches, and it's entirely the Holy Spirit's work, he says this. The first thing when the Holy Spirit comes, verse 8, Okay, 7 and 8, 16, 7 and 8. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. That's the Holy Spirit. When he comes. He will convict the world of sin. That's the first thing that he does on the day of Pentecost. When the Holy Spirit comes, he cuts their heart, he convicts. And he doesn't leave you with that. Then you would be a miserable wreck. And he points to the righteousness that is available in Jesus Christ. So when they said, what should we do? He said, believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. This is the constant. If any man sins, we have an advocate. The Holy Spirit will point us to Jesus Christ. But when we do not listen, then we are starting to resist the Holy Spirit. Okay, that's where it begins. It begins as resistance. It begins as resistance. It moves to slowly quenching the Holy Spirit. Or grieving the Holy Spirit, quenching the Holy Spirit, and ultimately we'll end up where we walk away and we start blaspheming. I don't believe anymore, people say. Okay, so you are rejecting the Spirit of God who had brought you. So it all begins by resisting and one of the fundamental ways to protect your heart is to always pray, Lord, let me not be a rebel in the kingdom of God. You can begin like Saul and ultimately he fell away and he is destroyed because he was also anointed of the Holy Spirit. David also was anointed of the Holy Spirit. And we will see ultimately the Holy Spirit leaves Saul Mm. and a demonic influence comes over him which takes him to his end. So never take this lightly. Never take this lightly. And one of the simple ways to know this is how do I know I resist the Holy Spirit is to know what is my reaction to the word of God. What is my reaction to the word of God? Because that's how the Holy Spirit primarily ministers. He ministers through the word of God okay and then when you are not uh, when you are not resisting the Holy Spirit but humbling and repenting and moving all, then the Holy Spirit can take you to the next step that is verse 13 okay then only he can take you to the next step that when the spirit of truth has come he will guide guide you into into all all truth truth. okay you 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 have to be humble So that he can guide you. If you resist and you're just curious, I just want to know, he's not going to teach you. He's not going to. He's not like uh, a paid teacher. Whether you are interested or not, I'll take my class and go. The Holy Spirit simply doesn't do that. He simply doesn't do that. He teaches only those who are receiving his lessons. Because remember, his lessons are life. These are life lessons. And we are receiving, you see, Uh, When the Holy Spirit teaches us, remember, he's teaching us lessons which was paid for. Like when you join a school or an academy, your parents pay your fees. In the same way, he's teaching us lessons which are paid for in the blood of his son okay that's why we are receiving it okay Mm. Jesus had to pay our fee Mm. for every lesson with his own life with his own his blood so the Holy Spirit will not take us lightly if we uh, are not interested in the word of God the greatest lesson we will ever receive is the teaching of the word of God through the Holy Spirit and the Bible says the anointing will teach us all things okay if we remain in that so we 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 Actually resist the Holy Spirit by either taking what he says lightly, ignoring it, no, in different ways. It goes worse and worse and worse, worse and words. No, it's like King Saul's life is a fantastic study about it. How he moves from one step to and finally the kingdom is torn away from him. Another man is anointed when he is living. The anointing is actually meant for him. That anointing goes to another man. And now that man becomes, he starts uh, hating and trying to murder that man. So he's completely gone. But how he began and how he ended. But if you look at the faces, it begins by resisting the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Yes, Pastor, do you want to add to that? Yes, sir. There are three stages. You can see that in the resistance of the Holy
1: Spirit. It says you're stiff-necked, first Stiff-neck, thing. Stiff-necked, uncircumcised. Second thing, you're uncircumcised in your heart. And I third, do. you're uncircumcised in your, in ears. your ears. Three ears. Three things, three okay.
0: things. Okay. So and you don't okay. bend, basically. If you go to Deuteronomy 30 and verse 6, this should be our prayer. Mm. Okay, see, these are things 30, And verse. 6. 30 and verse 6. The Lord your God will circumcise your heart and Your heart of your descendants to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, that you may live. This should be our prayer. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you cannot pray this prayer and do contradictory. Mm -hmm. Okay, if you turn with me to the (laughs) gospel according to Romans, this is what Paul says. Okay. Romans chapter two, verse twenty-eight and twenty-nine. For he is not a Jew. A Jew is somebody who praises God. Yahudi. Judah, Yehudi means one who truly praises God, who is one inward, outwardly, nor is circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly and the circumcision is of the heart so if you put this in Deuteronomy 30 verse 6, the Lord your God will circumcise your heart and that of your dissonance so that you love God with all, everybody wants that as a theory they know, Lord I want to really love your heart so much I am not able to, but who is the one who circumcises your heart it is your Holy Spirit, in the spirit, not in the letter, okay? Whose praise is not from from men. So we need to pray, Lord, continuously circumcise my heart. I'm telling you, circumcision in the flesh is a very painful thing. So is circumcision in the spirit. It's a very, very painful. People do not know the answer to their prayers, in what form it comes. What form it comes, okay? What form it comes, it will come, okay? It will come. Okay? Circumcise my heart, Lord, and God will bring it. Again, okay. it will be very painful. Mm. It will be very, very painful. Okay? Because you'll create situation in your life where you actually put no trust in flesh anymore, where you are not able to put your trust in flesh anymore. And then ultimately you'll come to a dead end where you say, Lord, it's only you. And God says, good. That's what I, where I want you to bring you to. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So the question number seven,
1: because it's related to the Holy Spirit. Uh, why is that some people are baptized with the Holy Spirit and mm-hmm. start speaking in tongues the very first day they're born again? Okay. While some have to wait for years to pr- and pray for years. Are there conditions to be met? If yes, then
0: how can it be a gift? Okay. Let me, <clears throat> I mean, this is a very confusing issue for a lot of people. lot of people, okay? A lot of people. Let me. One of the best teachers when it came to this for me personally, I thought was Derek Prince who taught this the best in a way which makes you understand. Let's go to the book of Acts chapter 2. That is where it technically begins in the new covenant where it is given. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all in one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. As of a rushing mighty wind and it filled the whole water where they were house where they were sitting okay so you see okay can i have one two uh yeah you can uh, go to two three and four put together okay suddenly there came a sound okay it filled the whole house and they were uh, filled the whole house where they were sitting then there appeared to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So you will see one of the first thing You see that the model is there in the Old Covenant picture, the shadow. This is the substance. You will see, when it came to the water baptism, Israel went into the Red Sea and came out. Hmm. When into the cloud baptism, it came from above and covered them. So here you will see when the water baptism, we go into the water and we come out. When it comes to spirit baptism, scripture says it came from heaven, up. It's coming from up, down. And what did it? It filled the whole house. When it filled the whole house, everybody is there. Everybody is filled. Okay. It, it, they are all filled. They appeared. Okay. And this thing. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Okay. And now if you look at it, when they were filled with the Holy Spirit, let us, let us, uh, this is a beautiful illustration uh, he said, he used. He said, you go to a waterfall, let's say Niagara waterfall, okay. If you, if you put anything under the Niagara waterfall, it will be filled. Yeah, yeah, okay. But What if you throw a bottle with a cap tightly shut? It can be under the Niagara waterfall and still come out with nothing inside. Wow! nothing inside, okay, nothing inside. So you can be in a room where the anointing is so heavy, but because you're so shut in your unbelief, nothing can happen. That is why scripture says they were all in one accord. There's no unbelief there. Everybody has come to that point of belief in what Jesus had, okay? And that 10 days had brought them to that point. So everybody in that room is ready to receive it does not happen that way subsequently everybody receives doesn't have to be those who are ready receive it okay second thing it comes from above okay so they are infilled they are all filled okay they are filled and they began to speak with other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance so there is the coming of the holy spirit there is the holy spirit filling them and there is the holy spirit outpouring Hmm okay so that i believe personally like Derek Prince, there are a lot of people who are filled but it hasn't come out they are come out it hasn't come out to the outpouring yeah. why is it is because they don't look at the order scripture says they were filled with the holy spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the holy spirit as the spirit gave them utterance, utterance. if he had changed the order a little, it would read like this. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit as the Spirit gave them utterance and they began to speak with other tongues. Yeah. But that's not what it is written. A lot of people are waiting for that order to come. It does not come like that. They spoke. It's act of faith. It's they spoke mm. and the Holy Spirit gave them the utterance. Yeah, super. Oh. That's how it works. Mm. They spoke. They spoke. But mm. well, why don't we speak? Because the language that is coming It blocks your mind. No, that cannot be. That cannot be a language. That cannot be a language. Scripture says they spoke. They spoke. It doesn't make any sense to the rational, intelligent mind of man. But they spoke. And who is giving them the utterance? The Holy Spirit was giving the utterance. Oh, wow. It does not say the Holy Spirit. So everybody is waiting for, I am waiting for the Holy Spirit to speak through me. He says, no, you speak. <laughs> he gives you the utterance. Hallelujah. <laughs> and a lot of people know they are filled. They are actually filled. But because they have not exercised their faith and allowed that language to come out, they do not experience the gift of tongues. But it is there. It is there. All you have to do is, Lord, Fill me with the Holy Spirit. It happened with me, Pastor. Yeah, that's what happened happened, with me. And you just utter it out. You utter it out. You don't allow your rational rational mind to stop you. Because this has got nothing. This is the language of the Spirit. Mm. If it is understanding, you don't need the Spirit. To speak English, I don't need the Holy Spirit. Mm. I can speak on my own. To speak Hindi, I don't need the Holy Spirit. I can speak. But if you have to speak (laughs) Telugu, suddenly... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then, that's another tongue which he gives you. Okay, which he gives you. But if I speak Telugu, I may speak, you will not, I will not understand. I will not understand. So that is also there, where he uses human languages also. That is what is happening there. He's giving them human languages where they don't understand, the hearers understand. Yet there is no confusion. 120 people are probably speaking 120 languages. The message is the same. Yes. So and none of them understand what each other is saying. <laughs> Okay, but there is the heavenly language also. So please remember you are filled. And you just open your mouth and you speak and you believe what Jesus said. If you if you ask your father, child ask for an egg, will you give him a snake? No. If you ask for a fish, will you give him a scorpion? No. How much more will you father? So he says, Do you trust me? Do you trust me? If you trust me, heavenly father, mummy, I want an egg. Does the mother give a snake? No. So if you you fathers being evil will give good things to your children. How much more? So why do you doubt me? Just open your mouth and speak. Speak. Mm. Okay, Open your mouth and speak. Okay. okay. Speak. And he says, don't you, don't you realize you do that with your own children too? When your child makes one unintelligible sound and it sounds something to which you know, oh, you're so excited, my child spoke. The child wasn't speaking or anything. it just made a sound. But to you it was exciting. So you are willing to receive that, but you are not willing to receive what God gives you. That is where the issue comes. The issue is not that people are not filled. Most Christians who are genuinely prayed and asked are filled. But they are not able to go to the next step because they are inverting verse four. They are waiting for the Holy Spirit to give them utterance. That's not what it is written. It is written: They began to speak with tongues as the Holy Spirit <laughs> gave them utterance. Utterance. He gave them the utterance. They spoke, and He was the one behind it. And when He was behind it, it didn't it didn't agree with their mind. Hmm. But they did not allow that to stop. They just spoke. They just spoke. Only well, thing in a public setting. Bible says, if you don't have the interpretation, don't speak, because you create confusion. Don't speak. It's a private, it's more of, it's a private gift for the edification of the self. It's more of a private, it's not a public gift. It's a private, prophecy is a public gift. um, Tongues is a private gift. Okay, so the Holy Spirit comes from above. He fills, okay, He fills you. You are filled and then, when you exercise by an act of faith, it flows from you. It flows from you. That's what happens. Wow. That is where a lot of people struggle, it's though they have it. It's so close. So, if just I will tell you, don't be ashamed or anything. Just go into your room, bedroom, alone, and just open your. My Lord, I asked. I believe you have filled me, and I'm going to open my mouth and I want to speak it out. And before you know. Boom! It will happen. You are waiting, Lord, Lord, here I am, here I am. Lord, I will give you complete control over my vocal cords. (laughs) Lord, utter through me. It's not going to happen. You utter and He will do it through you. He will do it through you. You speak it out and then suddenly you realize it will just go. It will just go. Okay, It will go. It's like opening a tap. It is there. The tank is full. You have to open it. You have to open it. You cannot say there's no water, there's no water. You go to the tank up and see it's full, then why is it not coming? You simply didn't open the tap. Just open the tap and suddenly it will come. Don't let your rational mind doubt something that is of the spirit. Yes, Pastor Vijay. So,
1: so when it, when the, when the question says, are there conditions to me, we met yes and no yeah. in that sense, yes? Yeah, condition no. is there
0: because, you no, know, yeah, like we, the, the condition is the first condition of the, of the Holy Spirit. Okay, don't resist the Holy Spirit, when he convicts you, okay, when he convicts you, repent, you know, you just listen to the Holy Spirit, the stirrings in your spirit, what is he telling you, you know, the conditions, it's not like there are three conditions everybody has to meet, each one's condition may be different, each one's condition may be different, okay, on that day, 10 of them, 120 of them, 10 days, what all conditions they had to meet, we don't know, you know, it took 10 days. In Saul of Tarsus' case, it took three days. In Cornelius' house, it happened immediately. So we don't know what conditions are being met. But the conditions are set by the Holy Spirit. He is the only one who knows what is blocking each person. So you have to listen to it. You know, And ultimately, it, 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 you often it got to do with relationships. You now God says, let go, let go, let go. No? We do not know. We do not know. Just listen to the Holy Spirit what He says. You okay, can, again, the other side is if you go to john chapter 17 one of the conditions which i see is there i will only mention conditions which are clearly mentioned okay 37 38 and 39 okay 37 th- john chapter 7 37 38 and 39 three verses again he is talking about the holy spirit there On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this is spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive from the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Okay. Now, if you look at words 37 and 38, the first condition met over there, you need to be thirsty. Mm. If you are not thirsty, Lord, Lord, I'm just bored anyway, Lord. I've got nothing to do. Why don't you fill me with the Holy Spirit? It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. They were thirsty, 120 of them. Though he preached the same thing to, to more than 500 of them, the thirst lasted only with 120. The other 380 plus left. Okay, so you have to be thirsty. Second, when you are thirsty, be careful to whom you go. You go to Jesus. This is the difference between the two baptism. In the water baptism, the Holy Spirit baptizes me into Christ. In the spirit baptism, Jesus baptizes me into Into his spirit. Spirit, These are two different people. Okay, It's Jesus who baptizes you into the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit who baptizes you into Jesus. So that's why we go to him. We go to him and we receive the Holy Spirit. Second thing, you have to believe in him. You believe in him. You are thirsty. He is the baptizer. The pastor may lay hands, the pastor may pray over him, but the baptizer is Jesus Christ. Amen. John made it very clear. The one who comes after me, I am not even worthy to untie the thongs of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. The baptizer is Jesus Christ. He is the baptizer. Okay, so here, you have to be thirsty. You have to believe in him. You have to go to him and he baptizes. He may use a simple vessel like Ananias. Ananias was... Jesus told him, go to him, lay hands upon, him. and Paul is thirsty, he's so thirsty, he's so thirsty, if you look at his thirst, you will understand scripture, how thirsty he is, Acts chapter 9, so this is a very major issue for somebody, we'll just take a minute extra on that question, okay, okay, Chap- chapter 9, verse 17 to 19, again three verses, we'll look, Yeah, Ananias went his way, entered the house, laying his hands on him. He said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales. He received his sight at once. He arose and was baptized. And when he had received, okay, look at that. Look at that. Okay, look at his hunger. Look at his thirst for Christ. If you've been blind for three days, if you haven't eaten for three days and you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit, you will say, Give me food. That's not he says, Find me some water. I want to be baptized. That is, that's the hunger. Okay, yeah. that's a hunger. Okay. What is his hunger? He wants to be baptized before he will even touch says, I want to finish this off. I want to obey the Lord in the waters. I've already got the Spirit. I want to obey. Actually you obey the word Lord in the waters of baptism and then receive the Spirit. In his case, he received the Spirit. He says, does not matter. I want to get baptized first. So you don't think there is water in that house. So they immediately, they have to take him somewhere where there is water. They baptize him. Then he comes back and then he changes his clothes. You have to look at in your mind how the order is. Why? This man is so thirsty for God thirsty for god and people are not you can have everything happening right before you and not be even touched by a thirst or hungering for god it's like most elijah is on mount carmel everything is happening till evening nothing happens shouting screaming cutting nothing happens then he comes he takes his time he builds everything fire comes people fall on their faces they are, except Yahweh is Lord. He takes them down. He takes the 800 or 400 prophets of Baal. He kills them all. And then he tells Ahab, you go, rain." He says, you go. I hear the sound of, uh, rain. You go eat. And then he goes up. And he's still out on the mountain praying. You know what Ahab does? He goes to eat. After seeing all this, there is no hunger or thirst for God in Ahab. He's not saying, no, I am not going to eat. I saw the fire. I want the rain. And I am going to tarry here with you. Or I am going to come up with you. I want. I saw. Yahweh is God. This is not the time to eat. I want more. More. Okay. Fire has come. Now I will wait until I am drenched by the rain. That's nothing. Because so he goes. So you can sit in the same church. Under the same ministry. Under the same anointing. And be absolutely untouched. Like Ahab. And go back to the world. And eat and drink. Or you can be so thirsty and hungry. That you will say no. I want the Holy Spirit and I'm not going that. Everything else is secondary and that is what you happen. So there are conditions. He says if you're hungry and thirsty, he will fill you. Yes, Pastor Vijay?
1: Why? It was a comprehensive answer.
0: Hunger is absolutely essential first. If God's greatest gifts to us is his son and his spirit, equal, and if we are not hungry for them and hungry for other things, you know, we are hungry for miracles. We are not hungry for the miracle worker. Mm. We are hungry for breakthroughs. We are not hungry for the one who gives us the breakthrough. That's why Jesus walked away. You know, in Mark one thirty-eight, you will see Jesus walks away. He says, let's go. You know, In John chapter six sixty-seven, he says, do you also want to go? He realized, <laughs> people are just interested in signs, wonders, and all. They are not really interested in him, and he walks away. Yes, Pastor Vijay, let's go to the next question. Yes. Okay. Uh, Pastor, it's uh, question number
1: nine. It's a very practical question. Question number nine. nine. It says, we want to strive for Christ's balance in our lives, not just go crazy and do everything. We need balance.
0: Where do we start? <laughs> we start with the word, we start with the spirit, both, okay, both. And when we talk about balance, we have to be very careful when we use these terms. Like I said, mm. like we are ministering in English, but English is the language we use in the church. English is the language we use in the world. So balance may mean something else in the world yes. and balance may mean something else in the kingdom. kingdom. Mm. So, the, the people of his time might look at Elijah as a totally unbalanced balanced, man exactly, <coughs> but actually he 's the only man who is balanced <laughs> because we have to be very, very careful about this, about how you look, but in a normal way, we are talking about within the church Christendom. you see there is something about now, next time I preach we 'll get into that when when like let us let us use the simple I think somewhere inside we have that we I used it. Uh, When the writing on the wall, we use that illustration, we use the scales, remember? You have been weighed in the balance, okay? Now, that's the typical balance, a literal weighing in a balance. But you cannot weigh in the balance. Let us think about it. You have two containers. They both have to equally have to have the same weight. Yes. Then what is connecting it also has to have the same length and the same weight. And then you have a rod to which they are attached. And you hold, you have to hold at the middle. Have to hold exact middle then only it will be balance, so before you can have balance, you need to have order. A lot of Christians are struggling for balance because they don't have order don 't have order, they want balance, but God says before balance comes order, mm. order, okay because next message on Elijah will be on that. I mean everybody's been waiting for three and a half years, and already the whole day is over now it 's come for evening, but you cannot rush God. You cannot rush God. Because God's things have to be done in God's order. God's order. Okay, You cannot rush into the Holy of Holies unless you have passed from the world into the outer courts, into the holy place, into the most holy place. Yes, the curtain is rent. That doesn't mean you rush through. You rush through. He's still holy. You can only go through Jesus Christ. There's no other way. So there is an order. And people struggle with balance because they struggle with order. With order. And in God's kingdom, there is order. Once you start understanding God's order and start getting that order in your life, like I keep telling, you know, young ones also, I tell you, one of the things is that when you have order in your life, one thing you'll realize is that there's enough time to do what God has called you to do.
1: Okay,
0: okay? order is a great time saver. Great okay, time. Like tomorrow we are going to church and I was telling send me the instructions because we have another church comes after we have left so we have we finish and before they come in we need to clean up the church put all our things away so to put away things away if you have an order you can do things fast so you have teams you do this 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 and I told him and he knows it but still it's my job to give the instruction so after I put everything into that locker room the last thing that goes in is the carpets why? Because the next service, is the first thing that comes out, is the carpet. Okay, you have to roll away the carpet and put it away, because another people set will come, they may mess it up. But I also said, when you are rolling the carpet, see that you tie it up. Why? Because the room is small, you leave the carpet in, untied. Next time you come, the carpet has opened by itself and you cannot enter the room. Why? These things have all happened to me when I was young. When you have a small room and you put a carton in. Because you use the typical puja rooms, you used to put cartons. And after some time you try to enter the room, you see the cartons have opened and you're not able to get in. <laughs> now you have to use great force, brute force, and it's half an hour to put one hand in. You know why? Because you did not have order. If you had collapsed the cartons and piled them up nicely, you could have put all your cartons. Now you got so much cartons sitting outside and you could only put two in because you didn't collapse it, you put it just like that. Why? Because you were lazy. Okay? So order has taken balance out. Mm -hmm. So that is why we discipline the children. Children Mm -hmm. are called to be disciplined. Okay? Now, it is not education. Uh, Simple examples which I have used is that when you go to a school, they don't teach you first. First thing is they will check you. There's a watchman at the gate. You need to come on time. You need to come on time. And What difference does it make? They are teaching you the discipline of time, how to value time. Okay? Second thing, they will see whether you are in uniform. They are in uniform. Okay. So you will see they put you through one whole thing and then only the classes begin. Classes begin. And if you look at what happens in the first 30 minutes or forty-five minutes before the classes begin, it is all got to do with order. Mm. It's got to do with order. If you want educ now what the Zoom things and all here, you are receiving an education with no order. It will not work well for you. Absolutely. You, after some time, you have to allow, pray, Lord, this will go away. We will go back to order. Oh, yes. It will go back to order. Like we had order when we preached for six months because we were four people, yes, and a big group of people outside. But we had to order ourselves and preach. But those who are at home don't need order. Mm. Right? You can tune in when you want. You can miss worship. You can put your feet up and sit there and listen to the word of God. So you real because nobody's watching you. There's no reverence. There's no No. reverence to the word. You can do whatever you want. Mm. I don't like it. I will switch to listen to something else. So you don't need order. So it does not work well. It works well for us because we don't have to be upset by your disorder. (laughs) It works well for us, but it does not well work for the church. It works only well for the man or the woman or the child who has brought. Order into their lives. Amen. Order. And you will look at Jesus' life. He had unbelievable order. And because he had order, he always heard. And because he heard, there was balance. Yeah, brother. He had balance. He had balance. And it is, this balance is determined by God. It's not determined by man. But first, that balance is determined by our parents. That's why father and mother is put over there, no? child has a set time. It's not one day I wake up at 5 o'clock, next day I wake up at 6.30, third day you wake up at 8, one day it's okay if you don't eat breakfast, next day if you want. It, there is no order in their lives. See, when we all grew up, one of the fundamental things was that breakfast was, an, was the meal of order. Lunch you took, dinner was the meal of fellowship, supper as they call it in West, because supper is there, the whole family is there, even in ancient times. Breakfast is a meal of order, meaning you didn't try different things for breakfast. It was almost always the same Mm -hmm. thing, because what you are trying to do is take in your breakfast, finish it, and go. you got work to do. That was, okay, so you didn't play tricks with breakfast. Lunch you took. Dinner was a more relaxed affair, which was. That is why it's called the Lord's Supper. It's not called the Lord's Breakfast. It is not called the Lord's Lunch. Because there's no fellowship over breakfast or fellowship over lunch. Even in the ancient days, because the parents were out, the father was working, everybody was involved in household work. So you will see, even in these things, God brings order. But when you grow up without order, you also have no balance. And When you don't have balance, God cannot teach you. He will not teach you. He will not teach you. So you will always remain at one particular state in your spiritual life, even if you are saved. He cannot take you forward, like I tell you, in the army, before you can even reach the what our strike core at Galwan. First they teach you. They don't teach you to shoot and all, they teach you discipline first. Because a gun in the hands of an undisciplined soldier will only destroy him and bring havoc to the nation. Mm. So the first year of your training or more is discipline. Is discipline. Okay, And that's what God is trying to do with us. So order, we're going to call it discipline. Order, balance, all go together. An ultimate balance for a man of God, a woman of God, child of God is hearing from God. Once you have heard from God, the balance comes in balance comes in. But that's the only balance you need. That's the balance you need. You don't have to do anything other than what God has told you to do. It's not that God will directly speak to you first. He speaks through God-ordained authorities yes. in your life. Yes. He's put parents over there and then he puts teachers over there. Then he puts the world system over there. He puts the pastor, the eldership over there. He has put various levels of people who speak into your life. And what has happened in the 21st century is that that Authority has been demolished. Reverence, respect for authority has been demolished. There is no order or discipline in the lives of people. So children grow up very disrespectful. Very disrespectful. They have no clue what respect is. And if you are disrespectful, let me tell you, man may speak to you, God will not speak to you. God will not speak to Mm. you. God will not speak to you. God will not speak to you, because respect or honor is fundamental in the kingdom of God. God says, he who honors me, I will honor, I will honor you. Okay? So children are not told as they grow up to obey your father and mother. No, he says, honor your father and mother. You have to learn to honor. honor, Give honor to those who to whom honor, is due. honor is due. Honor is important, because if you do not give honor, God cannot speak to you. But if you give honor at every level, it doesn't matter. You could be a small child like Samuel, and God speaks to you directly. Speaks to you directly. Okay. While uh, um, Eli's sons have been in the ministry business for years together, God does not speak. Rejected them and calls them sons of Belial. Well, this little boy, God is able to speak to him because he's got order, which his mother taught him. He's got balance, and God speaks to him. And then God uses that man. So that's how you have to understand. First, understand order. First order you have to understand. Simple. Don't get offended. First, understand is Determine your gender according to God's word. Not what the world says. Are you male or female? Decide. Because that's God's order. Because according to that, God has functions. Man is not called to do all things. Woman is not called to do all things. He has gender-specific order and responsibilities. In that, you find peace. Okay, Find peace. Okay, Christ came. He didn't do everything. If you look at it, he hardly did anything. Right? If you look at today's ministry and Jesus' ministry, he hardly did anything. His entire work was summed up in the work on the cross. So why didn't he do so many things? Because his father didn't tell him. You and I don't have to do everything. We just have to do what God tells you to do. Yeah, right? Like mm-hmm. I always say, the most peaceful girl in the church is Apuuti upstairs. She doesn't have to do anything other than what Raj tells her. As simple as that. And Raj doesn't have to do anything other than what God tells her. Then there is peace. If there is peace, Christ under God, man under Christ, woman under under that man, and the children under that parent, there is order and there is balance. There is balance. But when there is, this order is in there, I'm telling you, when the day of the Lord comes, people will go through shockwaves in the kingdom of God. They will see their works being burned up like wood and all, and just coming through the flames. Meaning, Lord says, nope, he says, your work is not acceptable, because you neither had order, nor did you have balance. It just was a haystack. No, people don't understand. People don't understand how the kingdom of God is going to be revealed. <laughs> it's going to be revealed. So that's how balance comes. It doesn't come in one day. It comes over a period of time. And you have to enforce strictly enforce order in your body and order in your mind. mind. In these two places, order has to be brought. And if you, anybody wants to study, study the letters to Timothy, especially Second Timothy chapter 4. Look at that. Paul is speaking to a young man. He's indisciplined. You can read, understand from the letter, he's a gem of a guy. True son of faith. Indisciplined. In the letter, twice. The same lessons are there in both the letters. Timothy, get some order and discipline in your life. You're a good kid. The heart is pure as gold. Everything is good. One problem with you is you're so easily distracted. So disoriented you are. You're disoriented, you have no discipline in your life. And this is writing at the end of his life. <laughs> and he gets a lesson. I don't know when he got the lesson. Sometimes I feel Paul had to die to wake Timothy up. And sometimes it happens. Paul is dead. Timothy hears his mentor is dead. His spiritual father is dead. He goes probably into a time of remorse and decides, you know what? I'm going to make him proud. I'm going to make him proud. You're sitting in heaven. You are not going to be ashamed of me. I am going to discipline myself. I will have order in my life. You no know, order and balance goes together. a you know, lot of people struggle because they don't have order mm. And it is never too old to get order, okay? <laughs> never think, "Oh, I am too old now what's the point? No,
1: no. And this is talking about spiritual order, spiritual, or spiritual order,
0: order. No? but spiritual order. order. See, remember it is your where is your spirit? It's in your body. body. So that's why God says, give me, like I said, give me your wallet. Mm. Your money, your ATM card, your debit card, credit card, everything is in the wallet. Just give me your wallet. That's what God is saying. Give me your body. In your body is your soul and in your spirit. So he says, I'll bring, but I need your body first. The most difficult to bring order is to the body. And Then the mind, and you're fine. The spirit will speak very clearly. And your soul will process it, your body will obey it. Mm. But if there is no order in your soul, you will not hear from the spirit. And even if there is order in your soul, like there are fantastic people, incredible theologians, incredible order in their soul, but their bodies are so lazy. They are just armchair critics. Armchair critics. Their body, I mean like cricket commentators, you Harsha know, Bagley, who could eat 200, 300 and all. But can you put him on the field? put him on the field. Mind? fantastic. He looks at He knows everything he knows. But his body will work? No, his body will not work. So you need discipline and order in your mind. You need discipline and order in your body. And God ask for both. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Ask for both. And that's how balance and order comes. Yes, Pastor Peter.
1: I mean, it's unbelievable that you said one of the orders that it's, it's a gender order. It's like, I don't I think it's it's interesting that we have to speak about that in this day and age. Everywhere, you know, you have to keep
0: speaking, because I know (laughs) women get more upset than men, you know, get more upset than men. But you need to realize, women will pay a higher price, a price, okay, a price. If you look at the judgments in Genesis chapter 3, you will see the pain is on Eve. No. Man doesn't go through labor pains, if you want to put it like that. The whole pain, the sorrow, the grief. No, you will see, it's a woman who goes through more grief than a man. You know, so the woman has to be want more. Don't change your order. You will go through. Like we have a saying in English. I mean Malayalam. I used to, when I counsel. I used to tell them, girls, it says whether the leaf falls on the thorn or the thorn falls on the leaf, it's the leaf that gets hurt. It gets hurt. Like, let's simply look at this, all this liberation and sexual liberty and all. We look at 70%, 73% of single home, parent homes. Who's taking care of the children? The mothers, right? Okay, you get your payment and all that, but the man is gone. He's gone. He may have a job, he will send you his check, he's gone. He's gone. You are the one who's going through it all, the pain. You're the one who's daily going through the misery, and the sorrow, and the grief, and the depression, so you know what, so the women has to be more ca- careful, because you get hurt more than the men, you No. Know, so if you stay in God's order, it's, that's why he did not make Eve first, he made Eve last, so that she would say, and man's job was to protect her, was to protect her, but when man becomes the abuser, then who is her protection, who is her protection? No, so that's why these are not uh, emotional things and all that. You know, you have to be very, very careful about it. That you don't end up with an abuser, and you don't become the victim. You have to be very safe about the life choices you make. You make choice, no? and otherwise, it's a messed up world, totally messed up world, absolutely totally messed up world. Yes, Pastor.
1: So we, we'll, I think, it's a continuation of this. The next question, question number ten. It says, uh, this is of course from Ribbentrop. The completion of one God-given task should never mean neglect of another. Both are important, right? Yeah. Don't you think our definition of importance should always agree with God's guidance? What if we quit one task and finish the other tasks? My girls are always confused about which task is more important. For instance, God asked them to take care of the people in the old-aged home. Then they leave it halfway saying, I don't think it was from God and then they go to the HIV home and help them and do an excellent job. They believe that God was pleased with them and will give them an E for an effort for the other incomplete task.
0: (laughs) One of the fundamentally, I saw that question. This is talking about people, any form. This is primarily ministry. But fundamentally, I will tell you something. One of the first things which you need to understand about administration, God's administration, When you are under somebody and you are sent to do a task, you don't decide what is important and what is not important. Mm -hmm. That is decided by the person who sends you. Sends you. Okay. So if he tells you, like in this case, go to the old age home and minister, that's what you do. Or there's HIV home, I like, it's irrelevant. It's, irre- it's irrelevant. Okay, it's irrelevant. That will happen only when God. After you have, because the first, first things and all. Even when you go out to ministering and all, you are not really ministering. You are learning disciplines. For one and the three and a half years, they thought they ministered. Mm. They didn't minister anything. <laughs> okay, they didn't. Jesus was just disciplining them. The ministry began only on the day of Pentecost. Yet, if you look at the heal, the priest, they cast out demons, and they were so excited. God says, "No, this is all just training." Okay, and He made it very clear. I sent you. Do this. So the first thing you have to understand is that you don't decide importance. You don't decide importance. This is the problem of the unsurrendered soul, especially in twenty-first century. You don't. You don't make those decisions. You don't make the decision. The decision is made at the head. At the head. So if you are in a ministry, let's say in this case, maybe a ministry with 50 young people who have come in and joined. And the head of the ministry sends you to the old age home. You stay there. You may be unhappy. You may not like it. All that. Okay. We don't know how many years uh, Elijah mentored Elisha. 10 years, they say. 12 years, they say. But what was he known? He was known as a man who poured water on Elijah's hands. Would you want to give your life when your father is very successful? Yet you know the call of God has come. You have joined yourself with this great prophet. And prophet, what does he tell him? Wash my clothes, fish my water, and I will teach you. And that determines his life. I remember an incredible man of God I've, I met. Incredible man of God. I, I mean, his testimony was, was out of this world. So I told him, when he, I said, what age did the Lord call to you? He says, when I was in class 10. And God started using me. And he said, the first ministry to which he sent me to be trained. He said, Pastor James, do you know what I had to do? What the pastor asked me to do? I said, what did he ask you to do? He kept me one year to take care of his buffaloes. One year. And I said, what did you do? I said, I took care of his buffaloes. And then one year was over. He said, now you are ready. Because what I asked you to do, you did. Now you are ready for cleft this thing. Lesson number two. A lot of people don't do that. And therefore, they never progress to level two with God. They take off. and they, f- they are excited. People are excited. God is not excited. God is not excited. And they never realize, like yesterday at the Nepali meeting. Yesterday was a Nepali meeting. I was telling, right? There is a crisis in Israel. Three and a half years it hasn't rained. Right, And God himself says there are 7,000 who have not bent their knee to Baal. We know there are 100 in a cave, prophets, and then there is Elijah. If you look at in a crisis situation, which is basically famine, drought, okay, 7,000 have hidden themselves, fending for themselves. 100 are hidden by a man with political influence, and he is feeding them. One is hidden by God. All 7000 have not compromised. Only one is hidden by God. That man hidden by God is able to go through every situation because the very direct hand of God is upon him. Upon him. So his experience is different from the hundred. And the other 7,000. 100 will say, oh, during the three and a half times, God was so good to us. The king's own counselor hid us in two caves and he fed us for three and a half. That's their testimony. It's a real testimony. 7,000 others will say, oh, those 7,000 years, you do not know. I somehow managed. God was there. I was never found. I was never uh, caught. They did not know I was not a Baal worshiper. I struggled, but I came through. One man was uh, there being personally taken care of god he's moving from level one to level two to level three at the end he's declared to the entire nation he stands alone and confronts the powers of evil all three groups are there in the kingdom of god are there in the kingdom of god and god says you know what this is the issue you don't decide the importance i tell you what is important so to elijah he said this is what you need to do what do you need to do Go to Chariot. You'll get two meals a day. What am I supposed to do? Pray. But I like preaching. But I want you to pray. So, boss, if you say pray, pray. I'll pray. And then one day get up. What do you want me to do? Go to Zarefat. But isn't that a dangerous place? But well, that's where I want to go. And who? A poor widow. What widow? no Samaritan. I'm a Jew. She's a Samaritan. You know? First raven, unclean bird. Second Samaritan, compromised. But you are the boss. I don't tell you what to do. You tell me what to do. You tell me what to do. Okay. You see how God works. Out. So importance is not decided by me. Mm. Importance is decided by Him. Amen. Importance is decided by Him or the one He has placed. Every nobody starts like that. Everybody has somebody over them. But no, nobody comes out of somebody because they haven't come to that point where God says, "You have understood." You have understood discipline. You have understood. I can speak to you now personally and sent you. That's what happened to the 12 disciples, 11 disciples ultimately. He says, okay, three and a half years. Now, I shall call you friends. Till now, what did I call you? Servants. servants meaning you ascent. sent. Go there, go there, go there, go there. No, I can't call. I can call you servants, meaning I can speak to you and you can do things on your own. We have understood the kingdom and the king and his heart. You don't need personal monitoring anymore. You can walk on your own. The Spirit of God will will be in you. You will listen and you will go. So Thomas doesn't need anybody. He can come all the way to India. All the way to India. They all can go because they have learned the lessons. The problem with children is children. Because most people, even in their 90 years old, are children in the kingdom of God because they never grow. So what happens? They do what they like. (laughs) They do what they like. And uh, they may enjoy it. The problem is they don't learn the fundamental lessons of the kingdom of God. They don't learn the kingdom of God. Like simple things which I teach when I tell them is that, imagine, Elkanah has two wives, Penina and Hannah. And El- Elkanah has uh, many children through Peninnah and then Samuel is born. The biggest event every year in their life is when they go to Shiloh. It's like a festival. Like imagine, uh, everybody goes once a year. I remember when I was in Kerala, the vacation when my father used to come down. Okay, The first incredible joy was I knew he would bring me one bag full of books to read, novels to read. So that day I was just waiting for them. I don't know what I was more excited, seeing my parents or the bag to open and books. Then I have disappeared. Then I'm waiting with books. And then before he goes in that 30 days or 40 days vacation, he will take us for one movie. Black and white, okay. But it's the most second most exciting day. The second most exciting day was the day you went for a movie as a child, okay? Now imagine you have five children and that day he tells, You don't come for the movie. I'm taking the other four. What is your state? Mm. You know? Hannah tells Samuel, You're not going. You're not going. And Elkanah agrees, okay. Child is not coming. I'm not coming with this child. When he's weaned of milk, I shall take him. We shall take him. He's not going. Doesn't say he threw a tantrum. He didn't do a th- tantrum there. He cried like our children would sulk and long face and get up and not get up. Nobody loves me. Everybody hates me. He didn't do anything like that. And he's weaned and he's taken to the temple. And he's handed over. Did he throw a tantrum over there? I cannot live with mama. Papa, what are you doing? This, you're abandoning me. I don't know anything. But, it's decided for him. It's a, hmm. Decided for him. And therefore, you see. So, for five years or six years, what was important for you was be with your mom and learn how to pray like she prayed. Sixth year, everything changed. What is it? Leave your father and mother and stay under this old priest and learn what he teaches you. That's what is important for you. It doesn't question. It's not fighting over there. And our children in the kingdom of God, you will very rarely see people who come like that is because they are messed up with this modern psychology in which there is no discipline, no punishment, no order, nothing. Nothing there. Children are autonomous beings. We need to sit and discuss with them. No. My father never discussed anything with me. Never discussed. Those things were never discussed. And where did they get all these principles from? From the word of God. Parents never discussed. Imagine living under the law in those days. Imagine Pastor Vijay, Justin and Abigail. And Pastor Vijay had a business. The business crashed. The lenders has come. He will tell Justin, I am selling Abigail and uh, Emmy. It's accepted by the law. Selling them has servants to that house for five years, and that person will pay the price, and he'll pay his debts off. That is what Elisha's widow says. Okay, think about it and think about. It. I'm not saying that was under the law in a Jewish system, and there was safety protection; those servants who could not be abused or none. All those protection God has put over there, but it was allowed. Total parental authority, parental authority was given. Okay, today. Children have authority over parents. They decide. They decide. They decide. And how do you expect prophets and apostles to arise from a generation like that? But still among them God will find people who understand the truth and voluntarily submit to God and to the man God has put them under. Doesn't matter how. I mean, Elijah must have been a like you know difficult to live with. You know he's a difficult person to live with right? Very difficult to play. But Elisha never leaves him. And finally, on the day of departure, he gives him many choices. You stay here. Why are you coming? He says, no, I'm not. I'm following you all the way. Mm -hmm. I'm coming. All the way. Mm -hmm. I'm coming. So this is what children need to understand. But start with small things. Start with small things. I'm not saying you stay in abusive situations. I'm not saying that. Please don't misunderstand me. There's a difference between discipline and abuse. Okay, We are not talking about That's why when we counsel parents and when we teach Christian parents, we tell them, uh, uh, you can use a rod. Most governments have banned it. Where it is not banned, it's a rod. But only one rod. Don't use every rod in the every spoon and anything you get your hand on. Don't do that. One rod over there so the child knows, this is for discipline. One of the fundamental teachings we teach them is that hands are for loving, the rod is for discipline. Okay, so when the rod comes into your hand, you are, you are teaching them the hand of love is the hand that is disciplining Mm -hmm. you. Understand that. Don't discipline with the hand. Because we saw yesterday in Isaiah 65-3, all day long, I stood with outstretched hands for a rebellious nation. This is loving hands. So when God disciplines, He uses a rod. It's a loving hand of a father that disciplines a child. But, Don't discipline in your anger. Mm. Anger. And discipline has to be consistent. It's got to do with an issue. Today you are in a good mood. The child does something. You leave it alone. Tomorrow you are in an angry mood. The same thing. You beat the child. Okay? The child is getting mixed messages. What is that? I can get away with this. Only if I check my father's mood. If my father or mother is in a good mood, you can get away with anything. Mm. But if he's in a bad mood, even if you do a good thing, be very careful. Mm. So you're not disciplining or doing anything. You only made it to a crook. You only taught the child to be a crook. Okay, So these are things we need to understand because when we talk about coming under, and that's how you learn, we need to understand what is discipline in God's kingdom. God's kingdom, the hand is to love. The rod is for discipline, mm. okay. And when you discipline, be very sure the child knows what is it for discipline. What is it. and also when you are a parent in India, where you are allowed, uh, at least you know, uh, use a rod. Don't say I will take it. I will take it. Don't tell fifteen times. <laughs> Doesn't work. So he uh, he after some time he has calculated sixteenth time only she will take it. I can push till fourteen. Hmm? Should I take? Should I take? Should I take? No. You just say that. I have told you once. You don't get a second warning. First two times, give two, three warnings. After that, it says, next time you do it, you're getting it. He may be in a cheerful mood when he's disobeying, but he gets it. He has to get it and make it an experience for him. (laughs) Don't do like, like a feather. No, it's an experience. It's an experience. Okay, so when he sits down, it's a constant reminder, but that's where you give it. <laughs> you will always remember. Remember, no. No, you'll always remember. And that lesson is, long. the pain will go away, but the lesson is remembered. So don't make it a happy experience and all this thing. Okay, happy experience and all the, c- it has to be. And then as they grow up, there is a time when you don't battle them anymore. Hmm. Okay, Thank paddle them anymore. But you will find other areas in which you can discipline them. You know what they're like. You know what they love, and you take that away. Take that away, and don't don't give them another option to do something else which they like. No, it should be a completely monotonous period in their life. You are not allowed to do anything. Okay, you cannot watch TV for uh, seven days, but read as much as you want. I am talking when you are disciplining, punishing. Read as much. Fellows say, "Thank you." <laughs> read for seven days. No, you will just sit in your room and do nothing. Shucks! Do nothing. You're not even allowed to sleep. If you want, you can study math. If it if it is not Pastor Vijay, if it is not Pastor Vijay, okay, normal people like us, do math for seven days. That's a punishment. Okay. Don't make it. Option two is also interesting. If these things don't work, okay. But it's it starts when they are young. When older people come, older children, young people come in, understand this first first uh, lesson that submission is strength. I'm going to submit myself to a godly mentor. And that's my strength. Mm-hmm. I will only come out stronger out of it. So Elisha will have double portion of Elijah's mm-hmm. anointing. You know why he has? Because he learned to come under Elijah. So when he comes out of Elijah... He comes out with double the portion of the spirit that was upon him. And why was God able to? It's not, Elijah said, it's not mine to give, by the way. I don't give anointing. The anointing is from somewhere else. But if you see how I am taking, you will get it. But why did he give him double the anointing? Because he learned the discipline from Elijah. So 10 years with Elijah, what God wanted to teach him through Elijah, he had received it. Therefore, he is ready to receive the anointing. Mm. Because an undisciplined vessel without order, a balance and discipline, if it re- receives an anointing, because God promised, <laughs> receives the anointing, will end up like Samson. It will be ultimately destroyed at the end. But a disciplined vessel, if it receives the anointing, will end up like Elisha. End up like Elisha. The anointing is the same. There's no difference between Samson's anointing and Elisha's anointing. It works out in different ways, but the anointing is the same. It's the Holy Spirit. What is different? The vessel is different. One is a totally undisciplined vessel; the other is an incredibly disciplined vessel. Wow. And look at their ends. Look at their ends. Look at their lives. Look at their ends. It's different. That's, I think, enough for that question. Actually, there's a there's a proverb
1: which I'm just trying to find out. It says mm. there. Uh, it's actually probably 2030. 20, 2030, 20, easy to go, actually easy to remember. Yeah. Blows that hurt cleanse away evil, mm-hmm. as do stripes the inner
0: depths, depths of, of the, the heart, heart. That mm-hmm. following deep down inside of this. No, but this is this. I I preached about this this thing. Okay, there is two things. One is the blow. That is outside. The other is the stripe that, that is inside. One of the fundamental things which you have to do when you are a parent, these are all lessons you learn in a normal kind of a setting, is with your children. One of the things which, you have, which parents have to learn, how it works. You have to teach the child to really love you. and You have to really love your child. The child has to really. So what happens is... The spanking the child got is not what hurts the child. What hurts the child is I hurt my parent. Mm. That's the in-depth. Why does God say love you? Why? Why think? Why do you think uh, David is so distraught? Why do you think he's so broken when everything is normal?
1: Everything is normal.
0: Nothing is going wrong. He knows he's hurt God because he loves God with all his heart. Loves God with his whole heart. So there is an outward stripe. And there is an inward stripe. Okay. If you don't love your child, I still remember the first time I disciplined Mathalika. Only, only once I had to discipline She never believed that I would discipline her. No? <laughs> I just gave her one. She burst into crying. She ran to me. Hugged me as if her heart was breaking. She simply couldn't believe that I smacked, I smacked her. It didn't really hurt her much. I mean, she's a small child, no? it's not hurt. Just one tap. She was so broken that I actually disciplined her. than <laughs> the pain of <laughs> that small little smack. Okay. You need to realize, you know. I mean, that was my child, because by the time you become a Like a grandfather, you actually know what parenting is. When you are actually a parent, you are just learning lessons. But when you become a grandparent, you actually learn what parenting is. And you realize, you know what? You don't have to discipline so much. You won't need to discipline so much. If you love the child and the child loves you with all his heart, they will obey you. That's why God says, love me with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. You love God that way, you will obey anything He says. It's simply the power of love. Mm -hmm. You know, the power of love. There's nothing more powerful. That is what, that's why you see in the New Covenant, let's look at that. It's an incredible statement Jesus says. Incredible statement, John chapter 16 or 15. uh, 14, 14. Yeah, John chapter 14. Words fifteen, fourteen, fifteen. If you love me,
1: obey what I command you.
0: That's that's not the old covenant. The old covenant if you obey me, I will love you. That means you love me. me? If you obey me, that means you love me so sacrifices and this thing offerings i have behold in the volume of the book it is written i have come to do your will so how does you how do you know uh, that you love somebody because you obey what's this here it is written. I'm going to you don't have the power to do that so what i'm going to do with this another question here yeah. what i'm going to do is that when you come to me i'm going to baptize you with my love and you're going to ask for it and i will go to give it to you the more you love me the more you will obey me because your simply your joy will come from obeying me. You will love to obey me mm. because my spirit will give you. That's why Scripture says righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So there He says, "If you love me, you will obey me." And these simple principles of the kingdom, you put it into your home. You put it into your home, especially when you're with your children, the children, and that's where you need to have a. You have a. You have to have a united family husband who loves God, husband who loves his wife, a wife who loves God and submit to the husband and there is no rift over there, mm. no schism over there no gap over there and then both of you love your children and you discipline your children in love the children love the parents you know what they will obey I told you about that pastor, that Baptist pastor these guys, what is happening in the US and all, centuries not centuries ago, he lived after that he, they They all didn 't want, but they all want this thing would happen to u s yeah. It would happen to u s if you don 't take care of your home, this is what you will reap. And I told about him his first time as a teenager when he went out with his friends in the car, and then in the back seat, his friends opened a bottle, and they were all swinging and when it came to him, there were five of them in the car or something when the bottle came to him, he couldn 't drink. He couldn't drink, he couldn't drink he said, and they started mocking him and scorning him and everything and he couldn't drink he said, no, he says, his father left his mother when he was young and his mother had brought godly woman had brought him up and she loved him and he loved him and she used to be a tough lady, disciplinary and loving and everything he says, "I can't do that, I can't break my mother's heart." And they started mocking him even father finally he said, "Stop the car." and they stopped and he opened the um, door and said, "I'm going home. I'm sorry." Do whatever, I'm not. and he left and they laughed and they drove off and he walked all the way back home and when he walked home, he got in through the kitchen door when he got in through the kitchen door, he could hear his mother on her knees praying saying, Lord, my son has gone out for the first time with his friends let him not fall today and he stood there at the back and he said, Mom, I am back, I did not fall and he became one of those great pastors in US history You know why? Because he said that discipline the mother gave me and the fact that I would I would not break her heart because she was such a godly, righteous person. Godly, righteous. And I believe that's what Samuel is doing. I will not break Hannah's heart. I will not make mom. I don't understand everything that is happening here, but I know my mom. My mom had always put God first. And here I see this ark and I see this old man. I want to listen to him and I want to sleep near the ark. Hallelujah! I'm going to be near this. Okay, and that's what God is talking about. And we have to. It's not easy. That's why childbearing is. When you talk about childbearing, it's not talking about labor pain. Parenting is not an easy job. It's a full time job, absolute full time job. And that's why God wants to stay at home mothers. Stay at home. I'm, I'm, you can get mad at me for that. But that is the most difficult job on earth is the mother's job, actual mother's job of raising up the children. Raising up the children. Because it's a full-time job. Even when they become teenagers and go, you, are new. you spend more time in the prayer closet now to see that they grow up and become. Okay. Because there's these beautiful spiritual pictures over that every year she came to see she, uh, Samuel. And Samuel has grown. But the mother brings an effort which fits him. Exactly. Exactly. How okay. does she know? How does she know? You know why? Because she knows this is how he has grown. Meaning spiritual, you see, this is a praying mother and your child is growing in stature and wisdom with God because you have never given up mother. You will never give up mothering. You are not sitting there and watching movies. No, You are not sitting on the next door neighbor and chatting and wasting your time. You know this is never going to finish. Never going to finish. This is a job until I know he's grown up and is walking with God and I am at peace. I you know, have done a good day's job. And many mothers like that, on that day of judgment, God will say, well done, my good and faithful. Remember, imagine Samuel and Hannah both getting the same welcome. Well done, my good and faithful servant Hannah, enter into my joy. Well done, Samuel, good and faithful servant, enter into my joy. You did a good job, you did a good job. Unless we see, that's what I said, all these, you can detach these principles from the kingdom of God, be successful in the world and be a total failure in God's eyes. Don't detach principles from the kingdom of God. It works. It works. But don't take it out of the kingdom. That's why Jesus said, go preach the kingdom. These are all connected with the kingdom. We can detach. Hard work. We can detach from the kingdom. No? All these things we can detach from the kingdom. And you can say, wow, great, like today's all the um, people talking about RBG died today, no? The Supreme Court Justice, 87-year-old, she died on one side. Everybody's going, gaga, 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 ga. she died, she died, and she was such a great woman and all. Do you think really it makes a difference in the kingdom? No. Good riddance, says God, and I'm not afraid to do. Say that. You look at her rulings, what are the things she supported? does not fit in with the kingdom agenda at all. She was absolutely, totally anti-kingdom of God. She has done more harm to the people of God through her rulings than all her perseverance and integrity and hard work and all oh, that is good. But detached from the kingdom, it has no value. It has no value. No value at all. It's no value at all. Okay. People will say, no, I wrote a comment in one of the public, not Twitter, another public forum. Bah, how many replies I got to that? I said, no so many replies i got to that no and i was laughing okay, i was laughing so many were positive one lady was very negative okay very negative i didn't reply to them at all no but i was telling you okay, no? okay so our problem is we detach everything we want okay i am a hard working person waste the kingdom in your life hmm. okay None of these things make any difference in the kingdom without the king and the kingdom. So God did not ask us um, be disciplined (laughs) for what? Mm -hmm. For what? As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. As a good soldier of Christ Jesus. Be loving for what? Mm. What? Compromise truth in the process and ultimately be called loving and tolerant of evil? No. The kingdom. The kingdom. Should take over everything, the kingdom. And out of that kingdom should arise all these qualities. These qualities for the kingdom, and the kingdom is for these qualities. You cannot detach this. You cannot have kingdom without righteousness. Hmm. It's a kingdom righteousness, because there is a righteousness in the world which is not of the kingdom. Yes, Pastor Vijay.
1: Pastor, I think, the, we'll just, uh, One more question, one because more tomorrow time. we have to go to church, unlike yeah. coming here, no? So we'll so take I, one, I I one more question. Yeah, yeah, but the same person asked us, maybe we should hmm. finish this off. Um, question number eleven and twelve. I think mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I think eleven question is very similar. As a Christian, we should have both in line with God, a God-given task, and people-oriented task. Do
0: you agree? Yeah, the God-given task will be always a people-oriented task. task. Essentially, yes. this, God n- never gives you a task which is not connected with, the, with people. the people. It may not be aware to the people. It not may receive the approval of the people. Mm-hmm. But you are doing it for people. Yes. Look, let's go to Mark chapter 138, (coughs) my favorite line. Hallelujah. Uh Jesus replied, let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. Now the entire town has come over there with their sick, demon-possessed, everything. Now you ask me, put it in world's order, healing the sick, delivering the demon-possessed or preaching a message, which is more important. It is not decided by man. It is decided by God that day. Go teach. And he leaves and goes. Hmm. He leaves and goes. So when you are talking about something like that, we should both have a line with God, a given task. What if a woman is called and told only to pray and nobody sees her? Nobody sees her. She is as far as the world is concerned, she is wasting her time. As far as God is concerned, she is the most effective instrument on planet earth. Hmm. And because of tens and thousands of people are getting saved, and they themselves are not getting saved, that God is answering the prayers of this lady. Right? That's how he connects. Right? This is how I see. Jeremiah prophesies, 70 years. Daniel reads. Okay. Jeremiah prophesies. Daniel reads. He understands 70 years are over. He gets into the prayer closet and he starts praying. God touches Cyrus's heart and tells, let my people go. The heart of the king is the hand of God. But somebody has to pray. pray. Exactly. Somebody, somebody has to ready. pray.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: God is not going to do things just like that. He says, if my people pray, mm. humble themselves and pray. But prayer is never considered a very, in, in the world, it is considered, everybody prays, but if somebody prays for two hours, three hours, and never comes out of the prayer closet, prays, gets in, comes out, prays in. He says, what a waste of time, right? But a remnant went back, Cyrus' proclamation. A remnant went back, I believe, because one man knew this is God's will for them. Mm. That doesn't mean, oh, sovereignty of God, passive. God has already said it will happen. No, it will not happen. Mm-hmm. God never accepts passive Christianity. He never accepts passive Christianity. That's what's happening in the U.S. Yes. yeah. No. If Trump has to win, Trump will win. No. Get into your prayer courses. Start praying. Start praying. That's not going to happen. God's sovereignty and man's passivity, no. The kingdom of God advances with violence. Mm. It advances with violence. Why do we need violence? God can't do everything. God says, I can, but I won't. I won't. I have called you to do that. So, when you look at that, you need to realize a lot of people are just passive.
1: Hmm.
0: Passive. And people why? Under, wonder why people pass over. God passes over <laughs> you. First God had a Passover and then he passes over.
1: <laughs> That's the question number 12. Is The last question for the day. Okay. When someone did something unholy in God's sight, they both crossed their boundaries with the same person they are going to marry. And when they realized, both felt godly, sorrow and they repented. My question is... Can their relationship after marriage become holy again to glorify God, or is it
0: okay to be separated? What is right in God's sight for this? Okay this is a probably a young I know who the person is from not from here another part I, I don't know the person actually, but it's written from another part of India. This is something which uh young Christians get into you know this is called premarital sex or whatever, okay so basically talking about it, so you cross that boundary. Now we have godly sorrow. Now we are wondering because you are convicted. Scripture says, Keep the marriage bed honorable. Will God glorify? You? Yeah, God will. He will, uh, you repent. There is forgiveness. There is restoration. Actually, it can, I mean, it depends upon your level of repentance and willingness to obey. God can uh, make it much better. That's what He says. The latter end can be better. Okay? Depending, it's all depending upon. No, David can have 10 failed marriages and have the best at the end, Bathsheba, because he's repentant, broken, she's broken. So two broken people, are, God is able to speak to them, and their birth is Solomon, a son who never speaks one word against his father. So depending upon your level of repentance, God is, no, God is a father. That's the first thing we need to understand. As a father, he always wishes, wants the best for his children, even in a marriage. It depends upon your response to God, your level of repentance and willingness to change. The second thing is that I want to talk, because there are two questions. Actually, I see two issues here. Second, two young people were dating, in love, whatever you want to call, you cross the line. And after you cross, you both are guilty. Both are guilty. And you're feeling sorrowful, and you repent. But now that you've crossed the line, and you think, maybe we are not meant to marry each other but because we cross the line we need to marry no no two wrongs don't make a right if you are not meant to marry that person in god's sight just because you consummated it before does not mean you need to marry you have to go back to god and repent and still trust god and obey god and say lord we are going our separate ways And God will work it out for my good. But if I marry the wrong person just because of a physical oneness act, then I'm asking for more trouble, which may end up in separation, divorce or something else. So don't. Okay. What is binding over there is the covenant of marriage, not sex before marriage. It does not make it binding. Does not make it binding. What is binding is the covenant you have made with God, with one another, and before that, that makes it binding. The sex before marriage without a covenant does not make it binding. It's not binding. So you have to be very, very careful, you don't because a lot of people I you know though we now can okay, do we have to marry, and then it is a mess. It's a mess. It does not work. Then realize, oh, this is not the person, but now God says stay over there. And now that you have made a covenant and got married, stay over there better. Okay. But before that happens God tells you, separate, go your separate way. It can become a bit be between two Christians. It can be between a Christian and an unbeliever. It can be so many various facets are there. But remember, because you had sex before marriage, that does not mean you have to marry that person. You're bound now to know. God's order is very clear. Leave your father and mother, cleave to his wife and become one. Mm. Today what happens is first they become one. Then they are struggling to cleave with each other. And they never leave their father and mother. God says there is a this is my order. Hmm. This, is, is, order. My, this is my order. Try to go through this order. But if you have goofed up, there is a God of mercy. And a God of He's the only one. And people this is one of these situations I remember somebody uh, how how can God how can God fix something which I did in the past? And God fix something, because He is the only one who can go into your past. Mm-hmm. He's not bound by your past. He can move from the past to the present to the future because it's all the same for Him. He is the only one who can go to the past and fix it and make your future better. That is why you go back to Him and you repent. He is not telling, "Oh, now I um, repent so that I can punish you." He said, "No, I repent so that I can fix you." Mm-hmm. He's the ultimate fixer. He will fix anything. But depending upon how much are you willing to allow Him space in your life. Sovereignty, power, authority in your life. That's what God is talking about. Amen. So children, that's for today. Tomorrow we are excited going back to church. At least we'll see 50 people. Many of them whom we haven't seen for six months. So there is a joy. Mm-hmm. Hallelujah. Mm-hmm. We'll see. They will check their temperature. I will look at their sizes. All who fasted, who all feasted, we will know. <laughs> hmm? Derek will take the temperature. I should actually keep a weighing scale also there.
1: <laughs> we, will, we, will <laughs>
0: we will go one step ahead of the government. They will say, mask, yeah. Uh, tem- temperature, yes. And sanitizer, yes. Weighing machine also, <laughs> It is not COVID mm-hmm. protocol, but our protocol. How many fasted, how many feasted. <laughs> Vijay, we all may get caught in it. So we'll keep it. <laughs> we will keep it away. <laughs> we will keep that away. <laughs> so we will see some of you tomorrow. So we just thank God. We'll pass away the closing prayer.
1: Father, we just want to thank you. Father, once again, Lord, we are just oh, so grateful to you, Father that you are a God who is also our Father, who is interested in the minutest details in our lives. And even as we have heard right now, that you are a God who can fix everything because you are a God who chose us in you even before the foundation of the world was laid. Thank you, Lord, for the God that we serve. Thank you, Father. Thank you once again, Father, for this time. I pray, Father, for all those who have been a part of this question and answer and for those who will listen to it in the future, I pray, Lord, that you would, Lord, Father, touch every one of them, O Lord, and Lord, let them be drawn to you, to a closer walk with you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. What an awesome God we serve. And even as we, Father, wind up for this day and prepare ourselves for tomorrow, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would speak to us through this night. And I pray, Lord, that you would prepare us to be found in your house on time tomorrow. Father, we look forward for great... Thanks, O oh Lord. Even in the coming days, Lord, thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you, we give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.